Greetings and welcome to our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins, and I greatly appreciate you have joined us today. Throughout this year of 2022, God has led me to emphasize unity among the Church of Jesus Christ. As written in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, the Apostle Paul wrote to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, especially in these last days in which we live, I believe God is calling His church and His bride to come together as one in Christ. And in doing so, it really displays the beauty of what we are all to be and how His church and His kingdom will grow and reach our world today. So as we go through the Word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and give you wisdom and revelation as to how we are called to be His unified church and then sent out to be witnesses of His Word, His love, and His presence. I pray that you will be blessed by our podcast and that you will be edified and enriched in God's Word today. So may God bless you all. And to be primarily in Luke 7 today. I have, and this is like, a, it's almost like a product placement thing, because I'll be talking about faith today. So <laughs> pulled this one out of the cupboard. I said, oh, there you go. So wish you all had a cup of coffee, but. Just three, so yeah, 1990 includes, um, you know, postage. So it's awesome. Yes, we're going to be, I, uh, Pastor uh, approached me, and uh, th- this is way too high. I'm sorry. Oh, this is way too high. i got to get down here. Can you still see me? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm talking about the, the audiovisual people back there. So I just got to make sure I don't run into the, the table. Um, that pastor approached me about the, uh, having the opportunity to share, and I, lo- I love to share. I love to share God's Word. It's, uh, um, it's, it's just my thing. It's what I really enjoy. And... Um, uh, to be able to to share now normally though when I when I share I I, I go through I'll, I'll go through scripture and the Lord will speak to me in an area and I'll start speaking in that area and whatever that happens to say that's what we do but this this one has to be topical this is he's stretching me again you know he made me do this a few weeks ago but uh, we're gonna talk about uh, encountering faith okay um, so faith is a big one right because the currency of heaven is is faith okay. Amen. That, that's what it's all about. Um, now, there's a lot of like generic theo- theologians, uh, definitions of faith, you know, cold, crisp, freezer-burnt type definitions. So I suppose I should cover a few of those and then kind of, you know, let's put flesh and blood on what it, what it means to walk in faith because we are people of faith, okay? We're people of faith. That's uh, our, our, our hope is to be able to walk in faith before our God. Uh, but faith is, uh, should be the simplest thing for us, right? We are created to love and worship and fellowship with the Father, okay? Faith and living by faith should be easy for us, but we complicate it so much, you know, because, you know, like I look at some of these uh, um, definitions. You know, if you ever, if you ever uh, look, any of you have like concordance at home? Any, any of you like, like, to, like to teach and dig into like the Hebrew? I, you, you have a concordance, right? Don't you, Mike? Well, I'm a computer. Well, so, okay, okay. 
uh, where it goes and explains like the, the, you know, the ideology of words and phrases and, and all kinds of things like that. And there's, and there's all kinds of, of uh, what they call commentaries. In other words, it's like somebody else's view of what you're looking at, you know, which is like eating somebody's dinner after they've already chewed it. So I, you know, the word was meant to be firsthand, okay? I, that's what I believe. But I mean, it's okay. I mean, I mean, because you're actually, well, you're getting mine secondhand here today, so I'm sorry. Okay, so, but, but faith, okay, now here, here's one of those, those can generic versions of what faith is as, opposed, as it relates to God, God the Father, okay? It says, faith is a conviction um, that exists, okay? It's a conviction that God exists, um, that he's the creator of all things, he's the ruler of all things, um, He's a provider, and he bestows eternal salvation to us through Christ. And that conviction is faith. Well, I don't know if that covers it, really. You know, I mean, I can't can't really argue with that definition, but it just seems cold to me. It it comes off flat to me. You know, our, 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 our salvation was bought by the, the blood of the Savior. And to, and to try to take it and put it in some black and white, like, uh, definition like that, to me, falls, like I said, flat. Now, th- there's others. There's another one here that says, uh, faith as it relates to Christ, which is important because we are Christians, correct? It says, it's a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. Okay? Still really doesn't tell me what faith is, but it's a lot of words. You know, um, speaking of a lot of words, uh, I am so glad to know that in the hierarchy of people in trouble for what they've said in front of the church, that now I have fallen to at least two or three. That's all I got to say. Because, thank you, Andrew. <laughs> you are so dead. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, okay. How, how about if we just uh, have a nice cold, cold definition as it relates to Christians? Okay, it says, it says uh, belief with the pre- predominant idea of trust or confidence, whether it be in God or Christ. But of course, I thought Christ was God, um, and 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 springing from faith the same. You know. Um, all going, it says, but also as it relates to the fidelity and faithfulness, this character of the one who can be relied on. I have no idea what that just said. But somebody got to write that in a concordance and got it printed and published, so whatever. But, you know, really, to me, faith should be easier than that. Faith should be something we can easily grasp and easily incorporate in our lives. That's what we were designed to be, people of faith. And and it's not a matter how hard you, you, you know. Faith should almost be like a, a verb itself. It should be like you should be fading because belief doesn't quite do it, okay? Faith is far beyond belief, okay? Because it says that the, the, the demons of hell believe, but they're not saved. They're not walking in faith. I can tell you that, okay? Absolutely not. But the value of our faith is based on the thing that we put faith in, okay? 
Let's say you have faith that if you tie a cement block to your leg and jump into the water, it's like 20 feet deep and only a four-foot rope, okay? i got to make sure for all you scientists out there uh, that you got all the facts. And you get thrown in the lake. It might be your, your faith that that block will float and you will live. Okay, and you might really, really have faith in that block. But your faith is worth doo-doo because that ain't going to work. Okay, that just isn't going to work. But our faith, our value in our faith, it comes from the fact that we believe in the one who is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of all that we see and all that we don't see, the lover of our souls, the one who struck a tent in, in human flesh and, and walked and, show, and, and showed that he was the way and he was the truth and he was the life and gave that life willingly on the cross to pay us back, to pay the price for our sin. That is what valuable faith is. It's not that how hard we actually fade, if, if you can imagine fading being a verb. It's what you're putting your faith into, okay? Right? Now, I have a few verses here, favorite verses I, I, I picked from. <laughs> yes, Romans chapter 1. They are well taught. Taught. Okay, okay, it says, Romans 1.17, it says, for in it, and, and, and to preclude that, uh, Paul's talking about the gospel. Okay, he says, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's, that's, that's my life verse, is the just shall live by faith. It's mentioned once in the Old Testament, in that verbiage anyway, and about three times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. So I know, as a Christian, I need to have a handle on what faith is. And as, as, as today, we're, as we talk about encountering faith, what does that mean? And it says here that there's a power I'm not so, so, so much sure that it's a mystery, but there's a power that as I live by faith, that the righteousness of God is going to be revealed from faith to faith. There's different faith walks throughout, throughout your life. There are times when, you, you know, you, maybe you have perfect, perfect peace in giving the Lord your finances, okay? Or perfect peace in giving uh, the Lord your, your health or your job or your ministry, or whatever it is. But maybe, maybe when it comes to your kids, wow, oh, wow, I got a fudge on that one a little bit, okay? Now, I'm just using that as an example is all I'm saying, is that there, there are many times in our life where life circumstances will come up where we are, we're going to be put in a position where we choose to walk as people of faith. Not just believe God is, but to truly walk in faith. Okay, the difference between belief and faith if you're an airplane and you have a parachute strapped to your back, you're 10,000 feet over the, over the earth, belief says that you believe that if you jumped out of the plane, that parachute would, not, would, would save you, okay? But it's faith that gets you out the door, okay? Oh, that's nice and warm. That's nice, okay? Fortunately, I did not set myself on fire. That would have been a, what we like to say in the medical field, a negative outcome. 
Okay. Yeah, faith causes you to step out the, take a step. Okay. Okay. In Romans five, chapter five, verse one, it says, "We have been justified by faith. We have been made right with God through faith." Okay. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. This faith that we're supposed to live by puts us in a position of, of being right before God through what Jesus has given us. And that we have peace with God. There's a lot of you out there that are, and, I, you know, from time to time, you know, I can get twisted in the wind too, where you, you just, you just, you're struggling with certain areas of your life and, and your peace with, uh, with God may be, Maybe faltering, but it's only faltering in your mind. Because if you have the blood of Christ upon your life, God is okay with you. God is okay with you. He's at peace with you. You might as well accept that peace. Okay? Sometimes that's a step of faith for people. The verse right after that says, well, I'll, I'll pick verse 1 and verse 2 and read them again. So, Therefore you've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We all talk about wanting to live in this state of grace, this place where we have uh, unmerited favor before God. Even that only is accessed by exercising our faith. It's not grace first. It's faith first, and then you enter into grace. Well, how does faith come? Well, Romans 10 tells us it comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You've got to hear about God, don't you? Okay? You've got to know. You've got to have it be revealed. And that's in, back in, in, in that verse, in chapter 1 of verse 7, it talked about the righteousness of God being revealed from faith to faith. A lot of times the first sermon somebody's ever going to see in their life is when you walk by faith. I, you know, I can look across this, this uh, congregation and know that there's some of you that have gone through some tough things, and yet you kept your faith. And I also know that all of you have affected somebody else who looks at you and sees, why are you not going crazy when you're in the midst of what you're doing, how come you're not walking in fear or doubt or desperation? Or why, why hasn't your hope been robbed? And the only reason it hasn't is you've chosen to walk by faith. And that is an undeniable, undeniable testimony of Jesus Christ. And it draws people. I think Hebrews 11.6 pretty much wraps up any reason why we should be looking into what faith is. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can give in the offering. You can sing the loudest on, uh, during worship time. You can bring a tambourine. Don't. <laughs> Please don't. Bring a tambourine. You know, you can read the Bible upside down and backwards in the Greek if you want to, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is. Belief, that, belief has its place, okay? And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently, diligently seek him. It's one thing to believe God exists. It's another one to decide, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to seek out after him. I am going to step out in certain areas of my life 
based on what I know that he's revealed of himself to me to be, whether it be as a provider, or a protector, or a healer, or a sanctifier, or a justifier, or a coming king, our savior, our Lord. It, the, the list goes on. But there are all, we all have different areas where maybe we struggled a little bit in our relationship with God. Okay? All right. But, of course, I'm going to take this in a little different direction. Okay? Luke 18.8 says this. He says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Ooh. Because <laughs> he's coming back looking for faith. People of faith. Children of faith family of faith, the church. So faith, what is it? How do we spot it? Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So simple belief does not fit the bill. It's if faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's one thing to believe on something, to want something, to desire something. Maybe you're that couple and you have no place to go in 30 days and you don't have a place to live. Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides all that we need. You can believe that, or you can trust that. You see, faith is the substance of things, so that means faith has substance. Okay, There's something I believe, or something I hope in. I believe God is my healer. Okay, You know how faith becomes the evidence of things not seen? Not just the, not just the, 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 not just the, reality of God, but that I truly have a substance that I'm hoping in, if I believe God is my healer, and it's time, for, or my, my wife needs healing, it goes from the, the faith is the substance of things hoped for, it goes to the evidence of things not seen when I pray over her. Or we go forward and we call forth the elders and we have them pray for us. Or we call people on the phone. We call them on, on the gossip line, prayer line, excuse me, um, on the prayer chain. And, we, and you, you ask for prayer. If I have faith that God is my provider, I'm going to live my life in such a way that I rely on that. And I'm going to go on. I'm not going. I'm not going to. Maybe, maybe you know when you when 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 the the money runs out before the month, kind of thing. That kind of thing goes on. It's one thing. It's one to say God is my provider. It's another one to hook your wagons to it. Okay. But faith in 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 its form, there there is substance to it. There's something palatable about it, whether it's a cry for healing, whether it's a cry for salvation, whether it's a cry for deliverance, whether it's a cry, a cry for provision, whether it's a cry for hope. 
an open door of ministry, a place to live, a new job, whatever it is. Whatever it is you believe God can provide for you or wants to give you or has promised you, it becomes evidence of your faith that you are a person of faith when you take that hope and you move it over to the place where it is evident around you. Okay? It goes on. It kind of explains this a couple. I'm just going to read. I mean, chapter 11 in Hebrews has many examples of people who have faith. But faith moves you to action. Faith causes you to do something. Now, it's not in your doing that you have faith. Otherwise, we could all just good, have good deeds, and that would be faith. But that's not it. That's just good works, okay? I'm not poo-pooing good works. Good works are, by definition, good. Okay? All right. I'm glad you're sitting in the front row. That's, that's awesome. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Why is this book so close? Okay. <laughs> For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Faith causes us to have a testimony because it's the substance of things we hope for, but it becomes evidence in our life. And it becomes our testimony that we are people of faith. He says, By faith we understand that God framed, um, uh, that the, understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are, were, I'm really having a hard Hard time with that. Let's try that again. By faith we understand that the, the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. It says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his, his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. The thing about the story of Cain and Abel you have two boys, and God clear, must have, somewhere along the line, clearly made it apparent that he would receive the sacrifice of the lamb. Okay? God doesn't leave us guessing. You know, he may not explain his entire will to us, but he doesn't leave us guessing on the big things, you know? So, Abel, operating in faith, took God at his word. I mean, because here's Cain, and he's, he's a, obviously a good farmer. You know, he's got all, kind, all this wonderful grain, you know, nice little bushes. He's even got a little, you know, like probably tied up real nice, a little bow thing, you know, brought it all up. It's probably not this big, you know. Look at this. Look what I got. And he brings his, and Abel brings his. You see, Abel w walked in faith because as good as Cain's, Offering might have been, on the outside, to our eyes, the work of his hands. Anybody who's, who's, who's farmed or had a garden or anything like that knows it takes work to bring something up out of the ground. Okay? It takes work. But God said, I, I, I want you to bring a lamb. So Abel showed his righteousness by not trying to figure out why is a lamb more acceptable than, than the grain. He brought it. And because he took God at his word, he believed God that when God said, I want a lamb, that he said, huh, God wants a lamb. And he brought a lamb. His hope was that his sacrifice would be accepted. God said he wanted a lamb, so by faith he took a lamb and offered it to God. That was the evidence of his faith. He actually acted upon what God had told him. Okay? 
And even now we talk about his sacrifice. Now we know about what happened with Cain, too. Cain said, yeah, that lamb's good, but let me uh, check out this grain. This thing's, whoa, man, look at, look at that little bow I put on the rope. And we know how that turned out, right? God didn't accept his, his sacrifice. He got angry. And he killed his brother, which is a negative outcome as well. So by faith, it says, verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and, it, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had, a testi- had this testimony that he pleased God. And how did he please God? Because we found that there's only one way to please God. He walked in faith. That's it, okay? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's, it's more than just believing that God is. It's truly seeking him out. But it says in Luke 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? In Luke 7, and actually the same account is in Matthew 5-ish through 13. It's the account of um, the centurion's servant. Okay? Now, this is interesting. I know it's probably not one you really study a lot, but if we want to know what, what, what Jesus is looking for, I think we find it in these passages. Because it says he's coming and he's looking for faith. So Luke, chapter 7, verse, let's say, 1, one through 2, okay? He says, Now Jesus, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. In addition to that particular verse in Luke, uh, Matthew goes on to say that his servant is lying home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. Okay, so this is not a good situation. Um, but what does, it, what does even this verse here tell us about the centurion? For one, I can tell you one thing, he's a Gentile. He's a Gentile. He's not of the nation of Israel. He's actually an arm of an occupying empire. We know he's a centurion. We know he's a Gentile. We know he has servants, right? Okay? So he's, he's, he, he owns slaves. All right. So we're all kind of wondering, well, what's the upside with this guy? But we do know also by this passage that he has a heart for his servants. He says that this, this, this servant was dear to him. So we know he was a man of compassion. That's all we know about him. Gentile. Obviously a man in authority here. He's a slave owner. But he's, he's a kind slave owner. His servants are dear to him, especially this one. And he had compassion on him. Let's move on to, to Luke uh, 7, verse 3. It says, 
So when he heard about Jesus, when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent the elders of the Jews to him, pleading on his behalf for Jesus to come and heal his servant. Wow. So that, now that tells us a little bit more. So, so he, he, he obviously had a relationship with the Jewish elders. Okay, He wasn't just uh, a working relationship of some sort. So that he could go to these Jewish elders and beseech them on his behalf to go and ask Jesus to inter- intervene on behalf of the servant that he loved. That was sick, that was paralyzed and tormented and dying. Okay? So we know this. He knew somehow that Jesus was a Jewish teacher, healer, preacher, whatever. Maybe he didn't think of him as prospective Messiah, but he knew enough about the Jewish nation that this, this, this Jesus who walked and talked and had a, a following, because I mean, this, this is toward the end of his, his before, before, just before he's going to Jerusalem to be crucified. The word has gotten out, okay? The word has gotten out. But it doesn't get out the same way it does now. You know, there was, there was no, you know, texting, you know, and that kind of thing. So for it to get out, the story to get out, it had to be a, you know, a good, I mean, it had to have some oomph behind it. And anyway, this centurion knew who Jesus was. Now, whether he knew him as, as prospective Messiah I don't know. It doesn't tell us his degree of understanding of the, of, of, of the uh, Jewish um, religion. It doesn't, doesn't say. But he knew he was, he was um, a teacher and that he had healed people. And he knew the power of God, at least the power of the God of Israel, was with this Jesus. Okay? So we're starting to see a little bit of what this centurion believed, the substance that he believed. He believed that Jesus was a teacher, a representative of the God of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Maybe he didn't fully understand it, being a Gentile on the outside of the Jewish society. But he knew enough that he believed this Jesus was a mouthpiece, a vessel of the God of Israel, and he believed he could heal his servant. That's the substance of where he, what he believed, okay? All right? He says, and so he sent Jewish elders, Jewish elders to Jesus to make his request. Now, why did he do that? Why, why, did, why, why, did, he, why did he not go himself? In Luke, and, and I take Luke's account because Luke was, was a physician, very meticulous, anal, sorry, okay, about, I mean, when, when, the, when the details of the different stories, you know, are written down, Luke was very thorough, <laughs> okay, all right, so it says that he asked these Jewish elders to go to Jesus, out of respect, okay? And his faith, what he believed, what Jesus spoke for God and was a healer, his faith was that he was going to reach out to this Jesus 
in faith and ask for him to heal his servant. That is the expression of his faith. And out of respect for Jesus, he sent Jewish elders because he didn't even see himself as worthy. Okay? He didn't even see himself as worthy to be in Jesus' presence. Can you understand the mindset? Well, of course you do. Of course you do. We, we're all, we've all been there. We have things that we pray for. Some, some of our things are big that we pray for and we're hoping for. And we put faith in God to, to fulfill it. And other things are not quite so important. Okay? Not quite so important. And maybe we feel foolish even ask for them. Maybe out of res- what we think is respect... We don't go to him. But we know, Scripture tells us, we we have not because we ask not. Yes, God wants us to bring all all our our worries and desires and petitions before him. Okay? But this centurion, out of respect, did not even go into Jesus' presence. So I want you to see the kind of respect that, that... this man had for Jesus, this representative of the God of Israel. We can learn something from that. Now, God wants us, as the scripture will tell us, to enter boldly into the throne room of grace, to sit at the, the to kneel at, at, in, in faith in the throne room and give our praise and our petitions and just speak with Him. That's how God wants us to be. And he goes on, he says, in verse 4, he says, And then, when they came to Jesus, the elders, they begged him earnestly, saying, That the one for whom he, sh- uh, for, for, that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. This man had a testimony before the, the people of Israel in, in the place where he lived and amongst these elders that he, that he was a good man. Now, that's... That's noteworthy, but I can tell you that we don't get anything from God because we're so good. Because I'm pretty sure it says, is, who is good among you? <laughs> There's not even one, it says in the scripture. That's also Romans, very uplifting. Okay. He says, and they go on to say, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. So, he loved Israel, he loves its people, he shows his admiration for them for, with good works. He built them a synagogue. And I'd like to throw in James 2.20 here. This is faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Now, are works and faith the same thing? No. But if you say that you believe that this parachute will bring you safely to earth from 10,000 feet if you jump out of the airplane. If you have faith, your works will be to jump out that window. And pull the cord. Pull the cord. Pull the cord. Pull the cord. Operator air. Decide. Okay. Okay. Ruin the metaphor. And Jesus says, I will come and heal him. 
then Jesus went with him. And he was being escorted by the, the elders, okay? Okay, so I want you kind of to get inside who the centurion is. Because Jesus is going to have some wonderful things to say about the centurion here in a second. He says, and when he was already not far, Jesus, when, when Jesus was, not, was already not far from the house, the centurion sent his friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. I want you to see the heart of this man. Okay? He believed in something, and that belief moved him to action. And he had humility before this one that he has been convicted that is worthy to be believed on. So he humbled himself before Jesus, this Jesus who spoke for the God of Israel. He goes on to say in verse 7, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word. And my servant will be healed. Wow. So not only does he believe that this Jesus speaks for the God of Israel. He, he, he believes that if he reaches out to him on behalf of his servant and beseeches him to heal his servant. That it will be done for him as he asks. And he he doesn't. He does. He sees God so big and so powerful that there's nothing that he cannot do. The creator of all that we see and all that we don't see, that he that he just goes all in in trusting this Jesus, this humble man. believing man, a man not afraid to act on what he believes, put feet to his faith. And he humbled himself for the God of Israel. And he believed in the all-powerful word of God. He said, I know. I understand. I believe. And that's why I'm acting. But I know all you need to do is just say the word. I mean, you don't, have, you don't even have to come under my roof. Also, I know, I, I, I trust and I believe. All you need to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. Okay. So he's got faith in the word of God, in the power of the words of God, okay? Verse 8, he goes on to explain himself. He says, for I'm a man placed under authority. I know how it works. He says, I have men under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes. Okay. I say to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. I understand what it means to be under authority. And, he say, and he's speaking to Jesus saying, I know that your kingdom is, is not of this world. And I know in your kingdom you have great authority. Because you've exercised great authority. Your testimony is, has, has reached my ears and the ears of a nation. And I believe you. I believe there's nothing you can't do. I believe your very words spoken here on this dusty road, not even reaching my house, will heal my servant. Okay? 
And then this is what Jesus says. He says, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Okay? And he said, he turned around and said to the crowd, Could, I mean, I want you to picture this. I mean, we read right over that. But here's Jesus walking down the road. He's probably got the elders with him, and he's probably in front. You know, everybody's just this, this throng in front of him. I mean, behind him of, of, of you know, the people of Israel falling behind him. And these elders, probably, probably members of the synagogue or, or, or leaders or teachers in the synagogue, we don't know, but they probably are as elders. And Jesus stops and he turns around and says this to their face. He says, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. You imagine what that would have... The, the people thought, because I, I, can, I can guarantee you there were probably people in that crowd that looked at the centurion, yeah, he's a good man or whatever, but he's a Roman. He exercises authority over us. His people are collecting taxes from us. We are under the yoke of his emperor. And Jesus turns around and says, I have not found a man of faith like this man here who feels he's not even worthy to come and stand before me or for me to go into his house, but believes that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the one who can speak a word and his servant can be, be healed at this moment. I have found no one like him in all of Israel. Oh. <laughs> wow! That, uh, that's what you call a slap in the face. A little bit. Okay? Right? Because it's not about all your religious do's and don'ts. It's not about all that you give in the offering. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't give in the offering. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying it's not about that. You don't get any brownie points for that. It's not all the good works you do. And the works that you do, that your good works that by definition are good, that's Okay? Not poop. And, 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 and the bad habits you've gotten rid of, fine. Good for you. Hallelujah. But unless we are people of faith, unless we believe and are convinced that God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, <coughs> Jehovah God, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, The creator of all that we see and all we don't see. Hears us, loves us, cares for us, sacrificed, bled for us, died for us. If we do not let that change our fundamental way that we approach life. So that people can see what it is we believe. As we walk based on what we believe of our God. We will be the ones that Jesus turns around to and says... I have not seen as great a faith of this in all of Israel. I don't want to be there. I know I have places to, to, to grow in my life. I know there's places where I can exercise more faith. We, we're, we're talking about encountering faith today. I want Jesus to encounter faith in us. I want to hear, well done good and faithful servant. 
It doesn't say, well done. I've taught Sunday school for 20 years. It didn't say that. It said, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, maybe you will teach Sunday school or, 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 or preach or sing music or whatever it is. But if you, you do it because you love God and you feel God is leading you there and you believe God wants you to do that, and so because you believe that, you, you act on it. That's faith. Now your belief has substance. Now it's evidence of the things not seen. Not only what, not, when it says the things not seen, it's not, just, it's, not just, it's not just your faith or what you believe. It's that the unseen, because some people have not seen God. You might be the only Jesus they ever see. I want to add, I want to add in uh, right here um, an excerpt from the same story, but it's in Matthew 8, verses 11 and 12. It says, And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Revelation says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In the end of the story, it says, And those who were sent, returning to the house, found that the servant was well who had been sick. I don't know. You and I tend to overcomplicate things. I know I do. Maybe you guys are perfect, and this is only for me. That's, that's possible. It's, it's possible. But I really feel that we can take a lot of tension out of our own lives, a lot of, a lot of inner turmoil and, and, and lack of peace when we rest in God. A lot of us are so uptight about our relationship with God, we're waiting for the God the Father, the one with the big two before, to whack us over the head and we do something bad. That's not peace. That's not peace. Maybe, maybe your, your, your faith challenge is to believe that God will never leave you nor forsake you. That God so loves you that he gave his only begotten son. Why would he cast you out now? You got problems, you got, you got sin issues in your life. God wants you to say, look to him as his savior and his deliverer. Amen. And because you believe God loves you and never forsake you, then he's your deliverer, you go to him, you pray, and then you get up the next morning and you walk, believing this is the day. This is the day I'm free from whatever it is. Or this is the day God provides for me. Or this is the day he heals me. Let your faith be evident. To close, I want to read out of Revelation. Thought you'd like that. Chapter 3, verse 7. The Church of Philadelphia. Not Pennsylvania. No, Philadelphia. <laughs> it says, And the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, who is true, 
who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. He says, I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. The opportunities that lay ahead of you, the doors that God has opened for you, the opportunities and, 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 and the way and the paths set before you, no one can take that away because God has done that for you. For you have, you have a little strength, and you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. We have been given so much. We have been given so much. But this passage tells us he wants to lay open doors before us, that he wants to pour himself out. There's so much more God wants to do in each and every one of us as individuals, each and every one of us in our family units and as a church, a local church, and as we're the church here near and far. There's so much God wants to do through us. You just need to believe that God has called you because he feels you're worthy to be called by his name. He felt you were worthy, so he, he allowed his son to pour, pour out his life for you, to ransom you back. That's how much he loves you. How much more does God now want to use you now that you are covered with the blood of his son, that you are now the daughters and sons of the Most High? He who, ever, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I guess, just in closing, I guess I just want to reiterate in your, in, your, in your ears that faith is something that should come easy for us. The concept of what faith is. Faith in and of, in of itself is just God is the truth. God is the truth. He is the evidence of things hoped for. He's the substance of things hoped for. He's the way and the truth and the life. If we just live our lives simply day to day, not so some of us are have a Paralysis by analysis. We get up every day trying to figure out what we're going to do this day to try to, to please God. And I, I'm not saying that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, your life with God should be more like breathing. Okay? It should be like breathing. As natural as gone. It's not. <laughs> that's not it. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know, God so, God so loves us. He 
so loves his church. And he's made it so easy for us. It wasn't easy for him. He gave up everything so that we might have everything in him and through him. Let us go forth into this Christmas season changed and transformed. Let us go forth as people of faith. So when Jesus returns, he says, well done. Well done. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you, Lord, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Your ways are so high above our ways. Your thoughts, so much higher than our thoughts. We could never outgive you. We could never give you enough praise. And you alone are worthy of the praise. But Father, we ask that this day be a day that you transform us. That this be a day that we take greater steps and strides in becoming people of faith. And as we walk in our faith, that people will see it in us, that we will encourage our brothers and sisters in the pews next to us, that we will encourage our family members, the people who live next to us, the people on our, in the, in our, on our job sites, people we come, pa- come in contact with every day. May they see the testimony of Jesus in our lives. May it be that open door that you spoke of, Father, in Revelation, an open door that people would come to us and Give us opportunity to share. Then they come to us and say, how can you be the way you are? Where is the source of your peace? Where is that source of your joy? Lord, this empowers. Empowers to be witnesses in these days. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. And we thank you for your faith in us. We'll give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. bless you all if you uh, are here for Christmas. Uh, If you're traveling, I know many people are going to be traveling. God bless you in your travels, protection over you as you go and visit. And uh, maybe families coming here to to see you as well. We'll pray protection for them coming here. Uh, Christmas Eve, uh, 5.30 this Saturday. And we'll also have Sunday morning, 10 a.m. for Christmas service as well. So hope to see you one way or another. Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name is Billy and I'm the online media director here at Polson Foursquare. I hope that the message was encouraging to you. And if it was, consider subscribing or following us or even sharing it with a friend. If you're looking for more information, you can find that at polsonfoursquare.org or check out our Facebook. With that, I hope that you have a blessed week and we'll catch you next time.